Revelation chapter 16 this morning. Uh, Revelation chapter 16, by the way, welcome to the first day of our new Sunday schedule. Uh, Lord willing, that will be a blessing. We shall see. Revelation chapter 16 uh, begins a section that um, we saw uh, the first part of uh, last week in chapter 15. So uh, the stage was being set for, in chapter 15, the stage was being set for the Lord uh, to use his angels to pour out the seven so-called vile judgments. Uh, so we're, we're beyond the, the, would seem to be beyond the, the midpoint in the tribulation period now. Uh, and these seven vile judgments uh, the Lord will use, obviously they're judgments. Uh, they are judgments of sin upon sinners, but as we'll, we said and, and will continue to say, we see these, Brother Ray's judgments that are intended still to cause many to see their need for Christ. And don't forget that this is the Lord's program of judgment for sure, uh, but also a program that would cause people to see, hey, the judgment of sin is no joke. Uh, I need a savior whose blood will cover my sin, uh, lest uh, the judgment of hell be worse e even than this. And so uh, don't forget, this, this would seem to be the purpose. Now, uh, also, as I may have mentioned last week, I can't recall, forgive me, uh, some, four of the judgments, uh, vile judgments that we see, uh, seem to allude back to the plagues of Egypt, which is very, very interesting. Uh, I want to just read you a quick statement regarding that. He's, uh, one man says, uh, the vials or vile judgments remind us of the judgments of Egypt. He says four uh, of these ten vile judgments, you'll see boils, turning water to blood, darkness, uh, and hail are repeated here. He says Pharaoh... Uh, was a type of the Antichrist, not the Antichrist, but one who foreshadowed or pictured the Antichrist, uh, similar to how many Old Testament figures uh, are types or pictures of Christ. Uh, Joseph, David being pictures or types of Christ. Others seem to be pictures or types of the Antichrist. And arguably, uh, Pharaoh can be seen as a type of the Antichrist. Uh, he was proud uh, and spiteful and utterly rebellious toward God, one man says. Uh, he observes the judgments only hardened uh, him. Uh, his magicians could duplicate some of the miracles, Pharaoh's magicians, uh, but they could not stop God's judgments. Uh, and even though God had demonstrated his power repeatedly, Pharaoh was so foolish that he thought he could chase after Israel uh, and destroy him. He thought that. Uh, likewise, uh, this man writes, the Antichrist will charge out against Christ himself uh, and be violently overthrown. Of course, he will. We, we praise God for that. So uh, here we see an allusion back to, brother, some of the plagues of Egypt and the, the typology there uh, probably looks ahead to these events uh, here. Uh, of course, the plagues of Egypt had their own purpose in that historical context, but it is interesting how they seem to foreshadow uh, or look ahead to uh, these future events um, also. Uh, so look here, Revelation 16.1, John hears a voice uh, commanding these seven angels to go uh, and to pour out these seven vile judgments. John says in, in verse 1, uh, and, so the and connects it tightly to previous chapter, and uh, I heard a great voice out of the temple. 
uh, the heavenly temple that's pictured by the earthly tabernacle uh, and temple, saying to the seven angels, by the way, forgive me, but whose voice do you suppose this is? Uh, it's the Lord's voice, right? A great voice. I heard a great voice out of the, the, the temple, the heavenly temple, saying to the seven angels, go your ways, multiple angels, multiple ways, pour out the vials of the wrath of God uh, upon the earth. And so the Lord's wrath is alluded to here. Uh, he has a wrath at sin as a holy God. Thankfully, Rich, we have the blood of Christ. We have the death, burial, and, and resurrection. We have the atonement or covering of our sin. Uh, we have a theological word that refers to the fact that God was, uh, his wrath was satisfied uh, by the death and the burial uh, and resurrection of Christ. Uh, I don't know if you remember that word. It's propitiate. Uh, propitiate. The, the God the Father was propitiated uh, by his son, the blood that he shed, uh, and his death. Good thing, because it's great wrath uh, at great sin. So uh, in verse 2, here's the first uh, vile judgment here in the future, tribulation period, soars. Uh, poured out upon men who receive the mark of the beast and who worship uh, his image, soars. Uh, verse 2, the first went, the first angel, evidently, and poured out his vile judgment upon the earth. Uh, and there fell a noisome and grievous uh, sore upon the men that had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshiped his image. And so this, this mark is that which we've seen previously. Uh, evidently, a mark will be required, uh, Rich, we understand practically, to, to conduct commerce, right? To buy and to sell. Uh, this effectively serves as a brand uh, by the Antichrist, stamping ownership uh, upon those who are his. Uh, of course, there'll be great temptation to take that mark because you will not be able to buy and sell, evidently, uh, without it, and yet Bible says that those who are uh, those who are saved during the tribulation period will not, uh, because they are the Lord's. They will not take the brand of the beast of the Antichrist uh, and worship him, because uh, they've been purchased by. They belong to the Lord, uh, as we do, as people who've been redeemed by Him uh, today, and so. Uh, these who have taken the mark and who worship the beast, uh, worship his image, um, will, will uh, receive this uh, judgment of sores. Now, uh, why don't we do this? Why don't you keep your, um, keep your finger there, uh, but you can look back in Exodus, and we'll flip back and forth a little bit here uh, just to see uh, how the plagues of Exodus uh, they were literal historical events that had a purpose in that day, uh, but do seem again to foreshadow uh, some of the four uh, of the vile judgments here uh, in Exodus 9, um, Exodus 9 and verse uh, 3, um, forgive me, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field, upon thy horses and asses, camels, upon the oxen. Uh, upon the sheep, there shall be a very grievous murrain. Uh, murrain uh, probably uh, alludes to this. Look at nine nine also. 
Um, it shall become, well, we'll go back to verse 8. The Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, Take your handful of ashes of the furnace, let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in sight of Pharaoh. It shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and it shall be uh, a boil breaking forth with blains upon man uh, and upon beast, as we just saw in verse 3, throughout all the land of Egypt. It took the ashes of the furnace, stood before Pharaoh, and Moses sprinkled it up toward heaven. It became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man uh, and upon beast. And so, uh, yeah, similar um, observation uh, there uh, amongst the plagues of Egypt. So uh, there does seem to be some parallels here. Uh, by the way, that doesn't sound good at all. Uh, doesn't sound good at all. This this illness, this this uh, visible uh, physical affliction uh, that is poured out, and this um, uh, doesn't doesn't seem to be just a little minor skin thing, right? This this is going to be a, a very serious uh, affliction, uh, evidently, uh, that will be very visible. No one will be able to hide this. Uh, Brother Ray, I don't think it's going to be the kind of thing where you get a little thing and you put something on it, it heals up in a few days, stick a little Band-Aid on there, and it's, it's uh, I don't think that's the case at all. That is not what seems uh, to be pictured here. This is a noisome and grievous uh, sore, and it's, it's judgment of sin uh, specifically upon these which have taken the mark, allowing themselves to be branded as uh, belonging to the beast, and the, who then go on to worship him, his, his image. Well, in rapid uh, progress here, these, these vials do seem to be poured out in rapid succession. Verse 3, and the second angel. Doesn't seem like there's much time uh, between the, the pouring out of, of the various vile judgments. These seem to come uh, in rapid succession. Boom, boom, boom. The Lord, uh, the Lord just pours these out. He wants their attention. Uh, he, 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 he just pours them out one, one after another in rapid succession. Verse 3, the second angel uh, poured out his vial upon the sea, uh, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul uh, died in the sea. Everything that was in the sea died. Now, what is this, Zach? What's, what's being poured out here? Uh, water is being turned to blood, right? Of course, that sounds an awful lot like uh, the plagues of Egypt also. Go on, make a note. It's, or just flip back there. You probably have your hand or something there uh, marking it. Be Exodus chapter 7 uh, and verse 20. We'll see that real quick. Uh, Exodus chapter 7, verse 20. Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded, lifted up the rod uh, and smote the waters that were in Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, uh, and all the waters that were in uh, the river uh, were turned uh, to blood. Uh, I think I asked recently, do you suppose that actually happened? Brother Ray, did that actually happen? I think that actually happened. I think the literal waters were turned to uh, literal blood. Some have said, oh, this is probably uh, an algae bloom. There's a red algae or something like that. So the Bible says uh, the English word says blood, and the underlying word is blood. Dom is bl D-A-M is blood. Uh, the Bible says it's blood, and so I think we do well to uh, interpret the Bible very literally, wherever that seems like it should be taken literally, and there's no uh, suggestion to the contrary. So uh, the sea, and then verse 4, 
uh, is a third vial, but it also involves water being turned to blood. Uh, so again, it seems to be the case that in rapid succession, verse 4, uh, the third angel comes and pours out his vial, uh, not upon the sea, but upon the rivers uh, and fountains of water, and they became what? Yeah, you can't drink that, can you? I mean, I guess you could, but it uh, wouldn't, be, wouldn't be a good thing. It uh, wouldn't be a good thing. Uh, third angel pours out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of water, and, and they became blood. I want to share, well, let me stop before I do that. Um, do you suppose this would have much effect on the earth? So the sea, or seas, uh, rivers, the sea is singular there, but rivers uh, is uh, plural. Third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of water. So uh, verse 4 makes it seem like probably all of the rivers uh, of the world are affected, li literally turned to blood. Uh, Zach, you're nice and close. What would, be the, what would be the consequence of that? What would be a practical consequence? Everything that needs water to survive. So that would include crops. Um, it, it would include human beings. Uh, let me share with you. This is this takes just a couple minutes, but just just hear this. Uh, the United States. I, this is I, this is some research I did. The United States has 250,000 rivers covering three and a half million miles, and over 60% of America's drinking water comes from rivers alone. There's not a thing about that. So during the tribulation period. All the rivers be turned to blood. 60% uh, of America's drinking water comes from rivers. That might affect some people. Uh, the Mississippi River, for example, is a source of drinking water for 18 million people who live in 70 cities and towns, including Minneapolis, St. Paul, Cincinnati, Omaha, St. Louis, and New Orleans. I think that'll have the attention of some people living there. Uh, in India, uh, 400 million people live in the Ganges River Basin and are dependent upon the river for their lives. 50 million people uh, live in the Rhine River Basin in Western Europe. Many of them are dependent upon the river for water. Uh, in England, at least one-third of Britain's drinking water comes from uh, rivers. The city of London, for example, gets 90% of its water from the Thames and Lee Rivers. Got to see that when we were there visiting our missionary. Uh, in China, the Yangtze River supplies water to hundreds of millions of people, uh, including those who live in almost 200 cities along its shores. And you just go on from there. Uh, the Nile flows 4,100 miles through Africa, empties into the Mediterranean, supplies water for tens of millions of people. Uh, evidently, all of these rivers will be turned to blood. Brother Ray, I'm going to say this is going to have the attention uh, of some people throughout the world. They're not going to be able to ignore this uh, because your water supply is now turned to blood uh, and that's really not going to be uh, good to drink. And so uh, I think pretty clearly here the Lord will have the attention uh, of the world. I don't know um, if you've ever thought about this. I don't know if I really have an answer either, but do you, do you wonder why blood? Uh, why blood? Uh, Lord could have turned the waters or, uh, to anything but, but blood. Think about that. Uh, we're going to come back to that uh, in a couple minutes. See verses 5, 6, and 7. The, uh, one of the angels begins to declare 
uh, the righteousness of the Lord. Uh, you, know, some, you might look upon these verses and say, I don't know, God, th these things sound terrible. You're, you're pouring out these terrible, vile judgments on people. Uh, some, uh, some are covered with sores, uh, grievous sores, and uh, now the drinking water for the vast majority, perhaps all of the world, is, is turned to blood. I'm not sure, Lord, if this seems like a, a loving and righteous God, Brother Ray. Yeah, yeah, I think there, there's, there's a variety of possibilities. Uh, all, you know, people are of one blood. All the people all around the world who are of one blood are going to be affected by this. Uh, keep thinking. Keep thinking about that. Um, so, again, verse 5, 6, and 7, it's as if the Lord anticipates that people are going to be, you know, those who might even be thinking about the Lord might be thinking, I don't know, if, if, if there's a God and the Lord is the God, uh, how good of a God is he? Look, look what he's doing. But this angel, uh, John hears an angel proclaiming, I heard the angel of the waters say, thou art righteous, O Lord. So, you know, the angel is witnessing to the righteousness of this judgment, uh, which art and was and shall be. Uh, he, he was, he is, and he shall be. What's that, what's that point to? What attribute of God does that point to? He was, he is, and shall be. Um, his eternality. Uh, he was in eternity past. He still is today. He will be uh, forever, uh, he, which art and was and, and shall be. Uh, by the way, this, this phrase right here uh, is an example of the value of King James Bible. The uh, Greek text that underlies the modern Bible versions excludes shall be. It's, it's not there. They, uh, it's corrupted underlying Greek uh, and therefore, it doesn't come through uh, in the English. It gets cut out, compromises the doctrine of the Lord's eternality. People say, well, these changes uh, that come through in some modern Bible versions, it's not, not really that big of a deal. They're just, they're just little things. Well, uh, except here, it would compromise the, the teaching of the Lord's eternality. Some would say, well, it's taught elsewhere. I would say, that's true but it would no longer be taught here. And I don't know about you, but I think that's a big deal. The Lord is righteous. Uh, he's eternal, this angel proclaims, uh, because thou hast judged thus. He says, your judgment uh, is righteous, Lord. He says, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, uh, for they are worthy. Uh, so that's very interesting. He says that, uh, many who are suffering from this particular judgment uh, are those who have uh, literally shed the blood of saints and prophets. They've, they've uh, murdered uh, believers, uh, no, no doubt, uh, up to this point in the tribulation. Uh, some uh, who have been saved in the tribulation period, we know many have died uh, through a variety of means. And uh, it becomes very clear that that murder of, of them is, is one of the means by which some have died. And so the Lord says, hey, uh, you've shed blood, you desire blood, so here's blood. Uh, you, you, you've shed blood, obviously desiring that, and so here you go, uh, here's more. The idea here, it's a fitting and righteous uh, judgment of those who have been so quick and so desirous of, of shedding blood. The Lord says, you're worthy of this. 
uh, and no doubt they are, and so uh, it is a righteous judgment. Verse 7, I heard another out of the altar say, even so, uh, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous uh, are thy judgments. So in the face of uh, these uh, terrible judgments, uh, the angels uh, proclaim, remember they're messengers and ministers, uh, they, they deliver messages regarding the Lord uh, and, and they minister his, his purposes. So they're uh, in a sense ministering these judgments but also declaring truth regarding him uh, as they do. His judgments are not wrong, they're not unjust, they're not unrighteous. Uh, they're not untrue. Uh, these are the righteous judgments of the Lord that is true and righteous uh, and also al almighty. Uh, Lord God almighty, uh, certainly a reference there to uh, his omnipotence, uh, his omnipotence. By the way, uh, one man observes this. He says, by the middle of the great tribulation, the radical environmental movement will have been overwhelmed by the destruction of its beloved Mother Earth. Their idol will be largely destroyed. Uh, and there's something to that. There's, there's something to that. Um, we, of course, understand that as Christians, we should be good stewards of the creation uh, that the Lord has given, it, given to us. But uh, in no way should we make it the object of our uh, worship. In, the, in no way should we allow it to become uh, an idol as those of the radical environmental movement very clearly have. Uh, you wonder if the Lord is addressing some of that, those that have made the earth an idol also. The uh, Bible doesn't say that, but, but I think it's appropriate to consider that possibility uh, at least. In any event, here's what the Bible does say in, in verse 8. We see the fourth vile judgment. Uh, there's heat and fire. Verse 8, uh, and the fourth angel poured out his vial uh, upon the sun, S-U-N, uh, in the sky. And power was given unto him to scorch men uh, with fire, uh, and men were scorched with heat. Uh, and so heat uh, and, and fire. Now, now stop think about that. You think about heat and fire, you think about what? what what's that cause you to think about? This caused, caused me to stop think about hell. Uh, and so I wonder now if some of these specific uh, judgments, the specific form they take is intended by the Lord to uh, get people thinking. Maybe, hopefully they, they've heard the truth about hell. We know the whole world has heard the gospel up to this point, right, through various means. Uh, you have the 144,000, you have the, the two witnesses. Uh, we, we know that uh, there's a variety, there's an angel that went forth across the earth preaching the gospel. So there's at least three ways that the Lord has used to ensure that uh, everyone across the earth has heard the gospel up to this point. So uh, you, I think we do well to at least consider the possibility that many would know about hell. Uh, and as the Lord pours out this judgment of heat and fire, Brother Ray, I, I, you know, if, if I'm there, I, I hope that I would be thinking, you know, this is bad, uh, but probably not nearly as bad as the heat and fire of hell and the lake of fire uh, to follow. And so, again, the, the Lord doesn't specifically say that that's his purpose for this form of judgment, but uh, I think it would, it would have that effect upon me, and 
uh, hopefully will have that effect upon some in the future tribulation. Hey, this is no good. I want to avoid the worst and, and most final form of this. Uh, I better come to Christ. What am I doing? Uh, still, still rejecting Christ. Uh, the Bible is clear in the second part of verse 9 that in several verses actually here in this chapter, that many will not go there, but instead uh, will blaspheme, angrily, no doubt, blaspheme the name of God uh, and refuse to repent. They'll simply be angered uh, by these judgments. So the next part of verse 9 says, they blaspheme the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, uh, and they repented not uh, to give him glory. So you can't help but kind of see Pharaoh there also, right? Just dug in uh, against the Lord and, and his people. Um, one man observes that three times in this chapter, we read that men blaspheme God for their, uh, his judgments. That's here in verse nine. We'll see it also in verse 11. They repent, they blaspheme, repented not of their deeds. Uh, and then in verse 21 also, uh, verse 21, men blaspheme God because of the plague of the hail. So. Uh, several times, they, they just they, they dig in, uh, refusing uh, to repent and, and get right. They're, they, they're just angered uh, by these judgments that are tended to get, to, yes, to be judgments of sin, uh, but to get people's attention, to spin them around, to cause them to see uh, their need for Christ. That hell is ultimately a judgment, right? It's ultimately a judgment of God. Um, it is in uh, a number of ways, I think, foreshadowed in these passages, um, fire and heat, uh, certainly. Um, another man has made this observation. He says, neither miracles nor judgment alone may convict men of sin and lead them to Christ. People can see miracles today and, and not be brought to Christ. Uh, people in tribulation period will see judgments, uh, and many of them will not be brought to Christ. Um, how do people get saved, Zach? How do people get saved? What is it? Yeah, well, but they, they need to hear the word of God, right? Uh, Romans ten seventeen says, faith, you're, you're right, thank you. Romans ten seventeen says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so, uh, yeah, these judgments, these miraculous judgments alone, not going to save anybody, but I'll say again, remember, they've heard the gospel. The gospel's been preached to the entire world miraculously, supernaturally. Maybe there's some technology in the mix, that's fine, but primarily through supernatural miraculous means, they've, they've heard the gospel. And so uh, the Lord's program combines uh, the hearing the word of God together with uh, these judgments to convince people, hey, I need to yield to, to submit to the, the one of the words that I've heard, uh, I need to come to Christ. So they've heard the words and now uh, the Lord continues to pour out these judgments to cause them to see the urgency of not just hearing but responding uh, to the gospel as Zach said with repentance and faith. Uh, verse 10, see the fifth uh, vile judgment is darkness uh, and pain. Fifth, uh, the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast uh, and his kingdom was full of what? Darkness. Uh, and they gnawed their tongue for what? Pain. So there's, there's darkness 
uh, and pain. Let's see here the, the effect again, verse 11, they, they blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains uh, and their sores and repented not of their deeds. By the way, if they are blaspheming God, aren't they acknowledging something about him, uh, Brother Garcia? You don't blaspheme someone unless you, you acknowledge they are, right? There's, there's, an, there's an acknowledgement that the Lord is. Uh, there's an acknowledgement that, that he, the Lord is pouring out these judgments and, and they're angrily responding to him with blasphemy uh, and, and a refusal to repent. Uh, I've had people tell me they're angry at God and as much as that can be upsetting and discouraging, I've actually been encouraged at times because if you're angry at someone, you're at least acknowledging that they exist, Brother Ray. There's, a, there's an acknowledgement that the Lord is uh, in that anger. So, you know, that's, that's a place to, to begin uh, at least. Uh, so we saw uh, fire and heat uh, certainly uh, caused me to think about hell. How about darkness, though? How about darkness? Does the Bible... Uh, use um, language regarding darkness as a reference to hell. It does. Uh, three times in Scripture, hell is described as place of uh, outer darkness. It's in Matthew 8, Matthew 22, uh, Matthew 25. Um, as one man says, thus, under the fifth vial, God gives the Antichrist followers a little taste of hell on earth. Uh, sure, uh, heat and fire and darkness, um, darkness also. Uh, there was, of course, a plague of darkness back in Egypt. If you want to turn there, you just make a note either way. Uh, it's Exodus 10, 21 and 22. Uh, Exodus 10, 21, 22, the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand toward heaven, and there may be, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt, uh, absolute, total, utter darkness. Uh, you reach out, you can't, you can't, you can't see anything, but you can almost feel the darkness when it's when it's that dark. And uh, of course, Moses did stretch forth his hand, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days, uh, three days. Um, and so that was uh, certainly a significant, certainly a significant plague. Uh, see verse twelve, the sixth vial, uh, the Euphrates River dries up, and Pretty clearly, it becomes clear that pretty quickly, forgive me, it becomes clear that uh, this is a this is a judgment. Uh, but it, Lord also has a practical purpose for it. The drying up of the Euphrates River evidently, will, brother Ray, will allow some of the world's armies uh, to cross uh, into the land, moving toward Israel. Uh, as they are coming toward Israel for that final battle at Armageddon. Uh, and so the, this is a judgment. Lord has spiritual purposes for it, but it seems that there's probably also that practical purpose of allowing them to cross uh, what would otherwise be a river and, and move into the land for uh, that final battle. Verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his vial uh, upon the great river Euphrates, uh, and the water thereof was dried up. Uh, and then here's, here's language that basically says what I've just said. So, uh, says that, or so that, the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. So, uh, kings of the east, their armies will be able to uh, move, more easily move toward uh, Israel for 
that final battle. Um, we'll just take a quick moment and um, do a, a very quick survey of some of the uh, books where we see prophecies of all of the armies of the world coming against Israel for uh, this final battle. I know we've said this several times recently, but when you look at the world today uh, and you see Israel literally being attacked from all four directions, uh, and you see the anti-Semitism that is bubbled into view uh, from all around the world, most certainly including in the United States, uh, it, it becomes very clear that the stage is being set for, uh, for this time. Uh, and so it, it, you, this no longer seems like something that's far-fetched in any way. We, today, uh, we see Israel being attacked from all four sides and the hatred of Israel uh, literally strung throughout the world. So uh, Joel 3 and verse 2, you can just make a note of the reference if you like. Joel 3 and verse 2, Lord prophesies there, I will gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat, plead uh, with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel. Uh, so Lord will gather all nations, bring them forth. Just make a note of the next verse, please. Uh, Zephaniah 3 and verse 8. Not spent a lot of time there, but uh, Zephaniah 3 and verse 8. The Lord says, therefore, wait ye upon me until the day that I rise up to the prey, for my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdom, kingdoms to pour out my indignation uh, even all my fierce anger for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Uh, so Joel 2, Zephaniah 3, 8, pretty clear prophecies of Lord gathering the world's armies there in the land for that final battle uh, of, of Armageddon. Uh, one more, uh, make a note please, Zechariah chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Zechariah chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, Lord says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling, uh, unto all the people round about when uh, they shall be in the siege both against Judah and Jerusalem and in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people all the burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces through all the people of though all the people of the earth will be gathered together uh, against it all the people of the earth will be gathered together against it Zach I don't like this thought um, uh, it seems that all of the nations of the earth would include the United States. We know today that the United States has certainly been the strongest ally of Israel, as well it should be, uh, I would argue. I guess that's a political statement, but that we can make a biblical uh, argument for that also. Uh, but evidently, there'll come a day where that is not the case. That is not the case. So. Uh, the Lord will dry up the Euphrates uh, so that the armies from the east can travel more easily into the land uh, for this final battle. See verses 13, 14. We'll finish up here quickly. Uh, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out uh, of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, uh, for they are the spirits of devils working miracles uh, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world. Uh, to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. So it seems like there's some supernatural involvement in drawing the armies of the world into uh, Israel for uh, this final battle. 
Uh, by the way, didn't Pharaoh have his magicians that responded to the plagues that Lord poured out into uh, Egypt in, uh, in Exodus? Yes, he did. Uh, here's an occultic response. There's supernatural involvement, it would seem. Uh, probably the idea is the Antichrist working supernaturally to draw the armies of the world uh, into battle. Uh, I think there's something like that happening in the world today, Brother Ray. Maybe not supernatural, but it does seem like there are some folks in the Middle East that are very intent on drawing uh, the world into uh, conflict. Uh, seems to me that, um, that that would be the case today. Well, there's a little hint here of, of things to come. Uh, verse 15, Lord says, Behold, I come as a thief. The Lord is uh, here prophesying that as, as those armies have flooded into Israel for that final battle, he will come uh, and like, like a thief uh, as, as a surprise to them. They're not thinking about him. They should be. Uh, we know he will come upon the scene and put down these armies uh, in the future tribulation period at this final battle. Uh, but they're not thinking about that. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and, and they shall see uh, his shame. Verse 17 is, is the seventh vial, uh, a great earthquake and great hail. I want to just read this quickly and make one final observation. We're done. Verse 17, the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice uh, out of the temple of heaven, the Lord, no doubt, from the throne saying, what's he say? End of verse 17. It is done. That sounds familiar to me. Uh, and there were voices and thunders and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth so mighty an earthquake and so great, greater than the terrible earthquakes we've seen in the past couple of years. Uh, and the great city was divided into three parts. The cities of the nations fell and great Babylon came in remembrance before God uh, to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Every island fled away. The mountains were not found. So this uh, earthquake that does uh, very significant harm uh, across the world, evidently. Verse 21, there fell upon men a great hail. It's an earthquake and hail out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent. Uh, very, very large hail. Men blaspheme God because of the plague of the hail. At least they're acknowledging that he is, uh, and the plague thereof was exceeding great, exceeding great. So uh, Lord's judgments uh, of sin uh, throughout the tribulation period, uh, his, his judgment, his judgments uh, seem to look ahead to the judgment of hell, uh, certainly. Uh, we hope that some might be stirred to respond to the gospel uh, as a result of this. We don't see that here, Brother Ray, but we know that the tribulation period is ultimately about, about bringing people uh, to Christ. We'll make one quick observation here, um, just, just kind of an interesting observation. In verse 15, the uh, Lord is uh, prophesying Christ's coming, right? This would be his second coming. Uh, sometimes the rapture is called the first part of his second coming, this rapture is really different from the second coming. Second coming is when he comes with us uh, at Armageddon, right? So if you view the rapture as the first part of his second coming, this would be the second part of his second coming. But he comes uh, to remain uh, and to usher in his kingdom. Uh, verse 15 is, is a prophecy of that, uh, his second coming. 
Uh, and then verse 17 and 18, there's a couple of things uh, that to me seem to be reminders of a time of his first coming. Uh, what did Christ say upon the cross? It is, he said it is finished, right? That's uh, John, John 19.30 records that. On the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. Brother Ray, everything that needed to be accomplished was accomplished. Uh, he said, it is finished. And in Matthew 27, uh, 51 through 54, uh, the Bible also records that at the time of the cross, there's a great earthquake, right? It's just very interesting. So here you have verse 15, uh, prophecy of Christ coming at Armageddon. Uh, in verse 17, the, John hears, it is done. Uh, and the Lord pours out uh, an earthquake. And it seems to me that there might be an allusion here in his second coming back to his first coming. Um, uh, why? Why might that be the case? Stop, just stop thinking about that for one second and, and we're done. Uh, he's coming. It is done. Earthquake. Uh, seems to me that there's an allusion specifically back to the cross where he said it is finished and there was an earthquake. Zach, any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, perhaps, um, yeah. Uh, the one who's pouring out these judgments is also the one who died for your salvation uh, so that you will not have to experience the ultimate judgment of hell, that which is pictured by the heat and fire, that which is pictured by the darkness of two of the judgments here. Uh, the one who will return and, and put down all of these armies is the one who came before and died upon the cross saying it is done and then there was great earthquake no doubt uh, a signal from the lord that this this is not just any man who died right there was darkness also don't don't forget that there was darkness and an earthquake um, and so this same one who died for you the same one who came before and who died for you uh, and to save you from your sins is coming back and he is going to mete out a final judgment for those who make that ultimate rejection, ultimate refusal of the gospel. Uh, just as he came before, he's coming again, uh, but things be a little bit different now. Things be a little bit different. He came to die before, now he comes to, to pour out judgment against those who have rebelled and continue to rebel uh, against him. Aren't you glad he came the first time to die for you? Amen. We need to stop there. Let's pray. Father, thank you, uh, Lord, for uh, these chapters. Uh, Lord, we're encouraged this morning that all the sin that we see in the world today, it will be judged. Lord, of course, we're reminded today that we are sinners. Uh, none of us is innocent. We've all sinned uh, and come short of the glory of God. Lord, we are sinners. Uh, most certainly worthy of the judgment of hell and of the lake of fire to follow. Lord, we thank you this morning that uh, Christ did come as was prophesied. He did allow his blood to be shed on the cross to cover our sins. He did die. He was buried. He did rise again, proving uh, that your wrath at our sin has been propitiated, fully satisfied. Lord, I thank you so much this morning that uh, we do not have to fear uh, the events of the future tribulation period. 
we've been saved from the consequence of our sin. Lord, thank you so very much. Father, I pray this morning that uh, as we look upon these chapters <clears throat> and we see the, the terrible judgments, I pray that it would be an encouragement to us to share the gospel, to share the gospel that people not need to experience these things. Lord, thank you that you do have a plan uh, to reach Israel. Israel that is in turmoil today, uh, but will be brought to you uh, and will be uh, restored completely to you uh, in, the, in the millennium that will follow this great and terrible period of tribulation. Lord, you're a good God. You have a plan to reach people. and You have a plan to judge those who continue to refuse you. You are a just and true and righteous God. Lord, thank you that we can see that so plainly in your words. Uh, I pray this be encouragement to us, uh, motivation to us this morning. Uh, Father, we love you today. Thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.